If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. We are not financial professionals, and this podcast is designed for entertainment purposes only. We are regular folks who do research and present opinions to an audience in a fun way. Our opinions should not be construed with the views of any organizations we may be affiliated with. This podcast does not represent the thoughts, intentions, plans, strategies of our employers. It only represents the opinions of the authors. If you need specific guidance on your own financial situation, please consult a financial fiduciary professional. Happy Sunday, Money Vikings. There it is. <laughs> What's going Happy on, guys? Sunday. Happy Sunday. Oh, man. Hey, Bob and Jerry. Happy Labor Day. Yeah. Is, Happy is Labor today day. the day of labor or is it tomorrow? Well, is it today? It's, it's tomorrow, but you know, it's... Okay, it's let's, hey, don't get ahead of yourself because tomorrow's the day. Well, it's Labor Day weekend. I had a, oh, I sure. did have a, a very nice beer today um, called Space Something. Uh, it was, I'll, I'll share that with you later, but, uh, so I don't know, I was, you know, we're doing this weird, it's like a weird labor day too, because we're all home, you know, for this yep. pandemic, we're not around a bunch of people. So, yeah. Uh, but you know, that's all right. We got a great show for everybody today. So that's, yeah, that's sure do. we sure do. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I did, I did find out that labor day started in 1882. This is a little factoid, 1882. By labor union leader Peter McGuire, and it was a national tribute to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of our country. Nice. Wow. I like it. I like it, it wasn't just about beer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, we got a great show f- for, for everybody out there. Um, how many followers now? How many listeners do we have now, Jerry? I think uh, one day we went up to twenty or something. It was wow! Nice. Look at that. So yeah. to all all twenty one of you, uh, Jerry's <laughs> Jerry's going to cover uh, margin account management today, which is uh, which is very important for those of you with a margin account. Uh, you know where your broker is lending you some cash to purchase stocks. Um, how do you manage that? And I'm curious to hear that. From you, Jer. And then I'm going to talk about and get your idea, your guys' ideas. Uh, I was really interested this week. And you know, Jerry, I've written a lot about this is the psychology of money, right? Right. The psychology of money. I think that is so key, like our relationship with investing and money and time. Uh, I'm always interested in that. And I wanted to share some cool stuff that I learned this week and a, and a guy that I really think you guys should look up on YouTube named Dan Dan Arile, A-R-I-E-L-Y. He's an Israeli um, economist and uh, had some cool stuff to say. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's do it. Should we do uh, margin account management? Margin account management. Sure. Be happy to talk about that. (laughs) Exciting stuff. 
really make it ex- make it exciting Jerry. <laughs> you make it exciting um well, what i can do i mean most of my experiences with is with uh tasty works kind of managing it in there and i have what they call a bite-sized account which is uh way less than uh i don't know twenty five thousand dollars and um what they do as long as you deposit i believe the minimum is two thousand they uh they double the amount of money that you can uh trade options and uh purchase stocks against for the most part and so if you were to put in four thousand you would have this notion of buying power which would go up to eight thousand so you could actually spend uh eight up to eight thousand dollars of money uh you know only having about four thousand in your account which is which is kind of interesting and you know, leverage and margin always seems to get a bad name, but really it's it's about being able to manage the account and being able to understand how much risk you're taking on. Uh, for example, in my account, I never, well, I'll never say never, but generally I try not to exceed 50% of my available buying power. Um, it's not a hard and fast rule, but uh, if I have... Uh, you know, $8,000 in my account, I will not use uh, more than, sorry, if I have $4,000 of my, in my account and I get $8,000 of buying power, I'm typically not going to exceed the, uh, the 50% mark or, uh, you know, $4,000. So. Um, Cause you, you could be on the hook for that, right? Oh, definitely. If definitely. things you could get, you know, the dreaded margin right. call where, uh, you know, the position, yeah, the position I've never had one. Um, but the positions that you have could could go one way or the other where you're suddenly, uh, you know, you're you don't have enough to cover and the uh, the brokerage wants you to deposit more or they uh, reserve the right, I believe, to automatically sell some of your other positions to make it right if uh, you, you have the cash yeah. there. So um, have either of you ever had a margin call or experimented with uh, with this? I, I have, and I and I actually had a margin call too. My first time ever really knowing how to play with margin, and and uh, luckily um, was able to recover before the margin call took effect. But yeah, yeah, I've had I've had it happen. Yeah, it's not yeah. Uh, it's not fun, and you you kind of it's not fun. <laughs> it's not a so no, so know what I mean. Know what you're getting into in advance, and yeah. and right. put those constraints Absolutely. on yourself. You know, this is gonna you know. Once again, we kind of did this serendipitously, but you'll see later. This is a this is going to be like a great connection to the psychology, right, of managing money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. because so, that's that that's a lot of it. With with um and, and in particular in in Tasty Works, you actually have two buying power amounts. One is your option buying power, and one another one is your stock buying power. And typically, your stock buying power is double uh, of the option buying power. So. It's right. it's interesting too. I mean, because options can get you into a lot more trouble quickly than uh, than stock can usually. Uh, right. So that's why they have less buying power. And and I typically, uh, what I do is with my option buying power, I have that be fifty percent of the entire value of the account and not exceed it. I could exceed it if I wanted to, but I I don't really like to. Uh, just because I want to be able to stay flexible. I want to be able to close positions if I need to. And uh, the, the problem that I'm running into um, personally with the, with the Tastyworks account is that I've done a lot of uh, cash secured puts and covered calls. 
And over the years, I've been assigned stock or I've been, uh, you know, so, so now I've got stock in there that I'm holding like Delta Airlines and Bank of America, which, you know, they're not terrible stocks. Delta's got a while to go before we, you know, we start flying again regularly. I'm sure it'll come back, but it is consuming a lot of my uh, buying power. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm kind of at the point where there are very few trades I can do at this point. Uh, because I've mentally not allowed myself to go over that uh, that fifty percent of my uh, available buying power, and so uh, you know I'll do small trades that might risk you know two two three hundred dollars. You know, yeah, and I've always I've always liked that Jerry how you approach the um, I've always because I've, I've done a few you know options trades with you over the years, and you know you you do a good job of kind of like. I don't, maybe the word isn't baby steps, but like, you know, you're not going in with, you know, you know, risking like hundred thousand dollars. You're going to go in and you're going to, you're going to like, you know, kind of work your way into this. Yes. And, you know, yeah. and, and so at the end of the day, um, and, and that's, and again, psychology um, of money, but that's part of the show as well. But the, the basic concept is you have to ask yourself, and I think you've done this before. Um, we, we basically feel losses twice as bad as we feel gains do you guys know that oh yeah. i know it the, i know the, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay makes sense. i mean it makes sense right <laughs> so i mean yeah, yeah. So, so the, the feeling of a loss is twice as bad of a feeling apparently than than a gain um gains we kind of wow. would be like oh great i'm brilliant <laughs> you know brush it off like that's great but then a loss it's like oh my god you know i'm the worst you know um so managing that emotional world but you're going into this i going a lot about your own risk aversion or, or, or tolerance for risk. Um, and then, and then projecting into the future about how you're going to feel, right. If you, so like, I know you don't like to lose any money. No one does, but, but you know, you might lose a few hundred dollars, but you're not going to lose, you know, something that you might really, really regret. Exactly. The, the way I look at it, I mean, if I were starting out fresh today with a tasty works account, I would look at it in terms of slots, that I have for available options trades and each options trade has a max loss. So let's say I had, you know, $10,000, I might, I might want to do 10 trade, no more than 10 trades, each consuming, you know, a few hundred dollars of risk. And that's, that's it. You know, the, their mantra is trade small trade often. So, um, you know, I would have X number mm -hmm. of slots available, um, consuming different amounts of, uh, well, they don't, I mean, it'd be ideal to have them all consistent, using a couple hundred bucks of buying power so i could have lots of trades um not not exceeding half of the the net liquid not exceeding five thousand dollars worth of of the the value of the account and then you know one so you guys you yeah sorry go ahead no no sorry. i'm done oh i was wondering so you guys you guys both like you and bob like so you guys do know your max loss going into any of your trades right of course. Yeah. Right. I like to, um, yeah, absolutely. generally, I mean, it depends on the account size and that's kind of a different function. The max loss, I like to cap it at maybe 2% of the account value. I don't like to, I would never like to lose more than 2% of the account value in a single trade, but that may not always align properly with the, with the um, buying power that you have. So you, you kind of have to look at it from right. both angles and find a trade that's appropriate for your risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you guys, it's like, and this is, it's so resonating with me, this conversation, because I'm finding right now in this um, COVID pandemic world that we're trying to navigate, that almost every day is some sort of risk reward calculation. Do you guys find yourself right. in that at all? Absolutely. Well, it's, 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 it's the whole, the whole market uh, landscape is, is changed so much that it really is about risk aversion, man, managing risk, right? And I think that has really, um, I think it's more front of mind now than ever with, with investing and trading. I mean, I'm just, I'm just such a big fan of like what you guys are doing because it's like, again, no, and, and I think this is like such a lesson learned that our audience can take with them. Like, you know, know your risk going into every investment you do. Um, and you, obviously we can't calculate everything, but, um, you know, j just try to project yourself into the future if you were to lose it or if you were to make some or not make as much as you thought, um, you know, and that's why we, you know, we always talk about like, you know, diversifying not only our investments, but um, our investment, the investing strategies, you know, yeah, vehicles right. Yeah, you guys know that I hate investment trusts. I like traditional real estate. And again, those could have their problems too, but um, you know, I like the idea of being diversified among all these different uh, areas. Definitely. Definitely. So, Absolutely. Uh, so that's good. That's good stuff, Jer. What what other ways do you uh, do you do you manage your well, account? One other thing, it, I don't know if it's not so much. Uh, it is kind of a management thing, but what, when you do use margin, and let me give an example of a uh, put that I sold uh, a couple weeks ago in a company called Stitch Fix. Um, you know, I for me to go out and buy a hundred shares of Stitch Fix and hope that it appreciates would cost me. Um, over $2,000 with the stock price being where it was a few weeks ago, $2,600. Um, mm. But for me to sell a put on that um, only consumes about $330 of buying power um, with the brokerage that I was using to conduct that transaction. So think about that. I'm getting similar return if the stock goes up or stays where it is. Uh, like owning it, except I'm only using, you know, a very small percentage of the buying power to get that transaction done. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, some, some of the stocks, I think, Jerry, maybe educate me or just correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of the stocks won't even let you use margin or a limited amount of margin. That's correct. Right? Yeah. Some of the some of the riskier, yeah. more volatile stocks, uh, the brokerages are not going to give you, you know, uh, 75% or 50%. They're going to make you put up all of the cash, uh, all yeah. of the buying power for those types of stocks. Um, and then on the other end, I've noticed in uh, other accounts, if I want to buy some government bonds, man, they're going to let me go crazy with those, like seven times my yeah. available cash because they're, <laughs> they're, they're deemed so safe that uh you know they're willing to uh to go out on a limb and, and front me the the extra cash for those bonds yeah, yeah. it's interesting mm -hmm. it's very interesting have you guys heard have you, have you guys had, have you heard of this guy named dan I read, I can't, I don't know if I'm Arielli. pronouncing the name right. Arielli. Yeah, I've read some Arielli. of Okay. You, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. So you, so you're, okay, totally. So he's the, he's 
behavior economist at, at a company called Capital or a think tank called Capital. Um, and I just started kind of, and I know he's written a bunch of books, um, but yeah, I started, I started doing some research on him and I just found it like fascinating. And uh, for the audience, like to know that um, what I've really been interested in, there's, there's been in the last few years, this huge revolution in behavioral economics where before all the models, I think we had talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts, before all the models were basically saying that um, every human being on the planet, you know, acts totally rationally in their own self-interest and they, then they behave in these ways. And so we can build all these models and understand them and like what they're going to do. And what, what new like behavioral uh, economic uh, economists are saying is that people act very irrationally, in fact, and they act not in their best behavior, like all the time. Um, so one of the things this guy was talking about this, you know, one of the different mediums I was watching him in, he said, for example, he says, we waste our time and money, like all the time, right? Like, you know, that's always something that we're kind of like working against. And then other thing he said is he's like, he's like giving people information does not work. Like if you, that's just giving them the information actually doesn't change their behavior. Um, and he talks a lot about, uh, like the, like the friction of like, he talks about friction, like the things, the barriers to like, um, to investing, right. Or to, or to doing the right thing. And so, um, one of the things they always talk about is like automatically enrolling people, right. In their 401k instead of, um, instead of having people opt in, right. If you have them, it's, have to it's take the, not trusting that somebody's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because because I guess apparently people typically won't, and and we 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 constantly discount the future, um, right? We have present moment bias, and uh, it's it's very hard to get out of the way of our own human nature. And so what Dan was talking about is like you know he's like we've done all these things, like he said he said think about our physical environment, like like we've we've invented like houses and cushy chairs. And like, we, f we realize we're kind of these like fragile creatures. <laughs> and he's like, you know, we can't run very, you know what I mean? We can't run very fast. So we invented cars. We can't fly. Right. So we invented planes. But he said, we've done very little in terms of dealing with our cognitive limitations. He said, you know, we're not all knowing, you know, we don't, we, and, and we, you know, we've done a great job with the physical environment, but we've done a really not a very good job with our mental environment. And so um, he tries to do all these things to like, you know, talk about ways that people can be better with their money. Um, and, and so he talks about like the pain of paying. That was one I found interesting. Do you guys know that like, so credit cards um, and I guess Amazon would be like clicking Amazon's the same thing. It totally takes the pain of paying away when we have to give up like a gold bar or like a, or like cash. We like feel it <laughs> my <more>. bullion. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like when we have to give somebody, like if you had like a bag of gold coins or like, or, or like a bag of $20 bills, and then you had to go pay for like, you know, go buy a car or something or whatever, you feel it a lot when you hand over that money. But apparently when we click on Amazon and we swipe a credit card, we don't feel any pain. <laughs> we just, right. we do a right. little swipe and then, and then we go on our merry way. It's and then deeper. all of a sudden, you, like country, you know what I mean? You have a country that like people that are just totally in debt. Yeah. Eyeballs. This um, magical action gives me this. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like waving a plastic wand. Yeah, it seems yeah. like people discount or don't consider the future repercussions of what they're doing now right. in the present. And it is very easy to, I think you're talking about kind of the one click uh, that Amazon has added. You know, you just click the button right there. 
It's yeah. they've got your credit card. They've buy, got your buy it now. That, that's what. It's. And it's going right to your house in a few hours. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, yeah, and I do it too. But at the same time, I'm trying to balance my bad behavior out by buying Amazon stock. You know what I mean? Because then I'm part of <laughs> yeah. then I'm part of then I'm part go. of the cash flow on the other end. Yes. Right. You want to be part of the cash flow on both sides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What I mean, what can you guys think of things that you do, I guess, to like to like, I guess, to be in more in line with your better angels or to be more in line with um, like, I guess I guess the word is setting yourself up for, for success. Is there are there things that you guys do to set yourself up for success when it term, when it comes to uh, money and finances I don't, and investing? I don't do this personally, but I've, I do think it's a good best practice. So <laughs> I'll just I'll just say that first. But um, <laughs> I've read that a lot of people will take their credit cards out of Amazon and any of the e-commerce sites. So before they make that impulse purchase, they actually have to go in, find their credit card, dig it out of their wallet, type it in, get the expiration date, expiration date right, get the CVV, do all that first. And if you can't, you know, find it within yourself to, you know, look around the house for your credit card and yeah, enter it in, then maybe you know, this really is an impulse buy of something you don't need that bad. So well, that's, that is a, that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant example because you just talk, that's what Dan was talking about. He talks about, uh, so you, you, that person or you, you're, you're going to do that someday. That, that person who does that is creating friction against the bad behavior. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Right. So there's, so there's friction against the bad, you're, you're not, you're not smoothing the path for the bad right. behavior. Right. <laughs> which is, which is Amazon. I shouldn't goal. say bad behavior. I don't mean it like, I, I don't mean it like bad, right, or good. Right. I just mean it like, you know, it probably isn't in your best interest over the long run. I mean, so yeah, another one, another um, one that I've heard too, is to only like not use credit cards and just, um, you know, you know um, pay with cash with things that you need. Now that's not always realistic. Um, you know, in today's society, if you have a, you know, insurance bill or whatever, but I mean, the idea is to, to take a look at what you have in your checking and not exceed it basically because you can easily do that with credit cards and multiple credit cards but if you kind of get to, to cash or uh use maybe one of those visa or mastercard debit cards uh that is going to maybe help you feel that friction or pain or whatever psychological uh uh you know event we're talking about here that uh prevents you from from uh you know going crazy on these impulse purchases yeah, I I know for us it was um, we had there was a couple of things we were doing, um, you know, like many people out there, uh, we fell victim to the credit cards, right? And and it's exactly to that to that point of it's so easy to buy something when it you don't have to worry about what's in your bank account, right? It's you feel like oh somebody else is giving me their bank account, but. It's it's not thinking about the the future damage or repercussions, and um, you know years ago we fell victim to that and we found ourselves digging our way out of a hole. Um, we finally got out and we got to the you know the realization that okay we need to take all these cards we need to go put them in a drawer somewhere, and we're not using them unless we have the money in the account. Then we felt that that was more of the extreme reaction and what we should really be doing is actually using the cards to our advantage. So this is something, um, this is actually something that grandpa taught me. Um, I think he taught us is that, um, 
you know, don't use your credit card unless you're going to get something out of it. So whether it's uh, reward points for gas, hotel stays, flights. So we'll actually use a credit card if we get some sort of reward points out of it and pay it off that same month, even though we'll have plenty of money to pay for whatever we're buying. So um, we've started to, to kind of be of that mindset and make the, that work for us. That's a good one. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, so, so there's also like, um, so that, that's really good. And there's also ways that we talk about where it's like you, you smooth the path to the um, six more successful actions. Um, a couple, you know, one, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, and I think it's anonymous actually, but it's, it's uh, first you make your habits and then your habits make you. That was, that was right? me. Yeah. That was me. So, you know, <laughs> was that, yeah, that was Jerry. That was, that was Jerry Texas. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Jerry Texas. Just kidding. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so, you know, and I know, and I know, both, I know all you guys are good at this because, you know, for, you know, I know at the end of the day, you know, I have a lot, like I talk about, I have a lot of fun with the Robin Hood investing, but like I've said, I really look at that as fun money. I mean, what I'm really going to probably retire on is the, the consistency of the 401k, you know, because it's so consistent, it's so automated. And there's a lot of friction for me to go in, start messing with it. So like, I do have to like find a password, go into a special site. So it's, it really is on autopilot, but that is what you got to do is like, get that thing on autopilot, like ASAP, in my opinion. Um, And then, you know, really try to not, um, you know, touch it. I I have, I have borrowed from mine, um, you know, but in my defense, in my defense, that was one of, part of it was to buy a house. So I, so I thought to me, mm-hmm. okay, so I'm borrowing from this asset to buy another asset. You know, I, I didn't borrow from it to, you know, go to Tahiti. Um, you know, it, it's, so, a, it's perfectly, and it's a perfectly healthy uh, strategy in the playbook to borrow from one asset to accumulate more assets. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Sure. Leverage, right? Leverage. Yeah. Um, another one I heard, you guys will get a kick out of this, but people have done this before. They, you know, they actually in their mind, um, in terms of like dealing with their money, they, tr- they, I've, I read somewhere, it's like, try to, try to like imagine your future self. And this is like a weird exercise because not, a, not a lot of us done this, but like, you know, imagine yourself at 70, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, I'm going to have like so much Botox. <laughs> So much like plastic <laughs> surgery done. Like, oh, the hair plugs are gonna be awesome. phenomenal. Like, oh man, the hair plugs. Like my, I'm totally bald right now, and I'm like really thick, like dark hair. Um, like Fabio hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, too, I'll be like one of those older guys. that's like too tan. You ever seen those guys? Like you're like, uh, dude, you're you're, you're, you're you're too tan at seventy, dude. Like don't <laughs> like leathering of the skin. <laughs> oh yeah, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. <laughs> But the point is, like, you know, have a, it, actually have a conversation with your future self, you know, and not literally, but like, imagine it and just imagine, you know, I mean, hey, you can do the math. Imagine if you did consistently do that, you know, $200 a week or whatever it was consistently. And if you're getting a 7% return and you start getting the compounding, you know, someday you're going to wake up and, you know, decade will go by or two decades and you're going to be like, oh, dang, I'm really happy I did that. You know, that was, yeah. you know, it's, it's good to have, have that. So. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it so. sounds like, I mean, kind of in summary, you want to, you kind of, kind of create, 
you want to make it as easy. You want to remove as much friction as you can for the good behaviors. And you want to create as much friction as possible for the bad behaviors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that was the big thing I got. And I, I would encourage people to go check out this, this, uh, Dan, how do you say it um, again? The way I've heard it pronounced is Ariely. Ariely. Okay. He's, he's the Israeli chief behavior economist. Um, what? I don't which, know. I just uh, I found you did a bunch of which TED book were you reading that, so. of his? You know, I was actually watching oh, YouTube okay. of okay. him. So I was watching. <laughs> I was watching the TED talks. Yeah, I should. I should okay. read. His, I should read some of his books too. Um, but uh, you know, it just it just reminded me of some really good stuff to talk about, um, especially as, as we're investing. Um, you know, because I think I think so. I guess I'll say this. I think this is even. I think the psychology part is even more important than ever because of what we talked about in one of our uh, recent shows, we are now in the Robin Hood world of investing, right? Mm. So everything, again, we think about it. There's now no friction to investing. I, right. I, I, I turn on my, I, I don't even turn on my iPhone. It's always on. I just click on Robin Hood and I swipe right, you know, and pretty much I'm, in, I'm investing. That's not Robin Hood, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Did you swipe right or swipe left on that one? That's a good one. I, I'm I'm way out of that um, era, so I would have no Sorry, idea. You fell into that one. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Whatever way you swipe on Robinhood, um, but you guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, Robinhood has made I think the psychology even more important um, than ever. Yeah. Uh, because again, there 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 is way less friction now, which is in some ways great. But in some ways, you know, we've got to get our heads straight. Yeah, I was saying, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, but I was going to say, in some ways, bad because um, I think when you um, when you have people that are, are are new to the investing and and they they hear these get rich quick stories or they watch these YouTube channels and they think that it's it's that easy, right? And they just think they need to have a bunch of money in an account see something they like and buy a bunch of it and then that's it it's going to make me money and not understanding that there is a whole whole world that they need to understand and know um when they're investing and it's not it's it's been made easier to also lose money as well if you're not uh mindful of it Mm -hmm. absolutely this in in one of the um you guys will find this really fascinating and i and i kind of like fantasized about this in one of Dan's, uh, you know, whatever things he talked about um, at some, sometimes he says with portfolios, he actually believes that it's almost a good idea at times to like, this is gonna sound crazy, but like completely as the world turns and as like things change and we deal with coronavirus and the new world order or whatever we're dealing with, he said at times it might be a good idea to just like completely sell everything and imagine building a portfolio from the ground up. Like, what mm-hmm. would you, because, because he said a lot of times these portfolios, like they, they get years down the line and maybe people aren't making the right adjustments. You know, they're, sure. they're kind of not, tink- you know, you know what I mean? They're not tinkering enough to kind of, I know like, like, for example, with mine, with my Robin Hood in particular, you know, I, I have really actually um, been thinking a lot over the last seven, six months about a post uh, COVID world mm-hmm. or, you know, a way to deal with the COVID world and then you know, thinking to myself, what are the opportunities and then what's going to grow uh, after this and what's going to diminish, you know, and I think we're all seeing that some things are going to diminish and some things are going to grow. Um, but if you kind of just had like a pre-COVID portfolio, um, I don't know, it might be some adjustments. 
Adjustments, yeah. I I don't I think selling everything and, and buying new I mean not only could there be tax implications, but um you know, there may be some stocks that will recover, uh, you know, over the long term. So I, I don't I mean, that's kind of drastic to just to sell everything and start again. But I I do see the point that times are changing and, um, you know, in, in the future world that we're kind of moving into, there are going to be uh, different opportunities. Uh, it seems to me that from what I've been reading and what I've been seeing is, you know, cloud, Internet, um, anything that doesn't require a physical presence anymore uh, seems to be uh, doing really well. Services, yeah. you know, music, uh, video, all kinds of stuff like that. And then Amazon just being able to order things uh, to your home immediately, anything you need, anytime. Uh, those are kind of seems to be where it's at. But uh, it's hard to say kind of where things are going to go from, uh, yeah. from here. Right, right. So, you know, think about, think it through, do your research, uh, know your risk, uh, be diversified, be diversified in your asset classes and your approaches. I mean, that's, this is what I think. This is how I kind of like to approach things. Um, yeah, I love it guys. This, the time goes really fast on these shows. So I don't, I, you know, it's like, we always get to like, uh, our, our point in them and I'm like, darn, I, I look forward to this all week. <laughs> It does. It does. But you always uh, bring up really good topics and uh, we enjoy going through them with you and le we learn a lot along the way. Yeah, this is awesome. Well, thanks to everybody who's out there listening. And uh, I don't know, guys, you guys have any today or anything else to add? I'm, I'm just anxious for what the market's going to do this next week. Uh, you know, for me, it's like I, I, um, I, I want everybody to be, you know, be be mindful and be safe with their investments and and their um, where they're putting their money because um, I think uh, Friday was a little rocky with the tech uh, tech industry and and I I feel like that might be a um, uh, rumblings before the volcano erupts and and the earthquakes happen and, and the seas part uh, <laughs> so I, I just think uh, going into this next week and and. Um, continuing through this quarter, I, I just want to make sure that people are uh, uh, mindful, have a game plan, possible exit strategies, um, and and uh, know how to hedge hedge their their bets. Um, but I, that's you know that's kind of where my head's at right now. Yeah, good advice. Guys, Proceed kind of cautiously. What are you guys eyeing this week? Anything in particular? I, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at VIXs. I'm looking at VIXs. I, uh, you know, that's for volatility, right? That's volatility. I'm, I'm looking to, you know, I'm, I may look at some put strategy, some puts actually on Tesla and Apple, um, for a short term. I, I don't know if that's going to be a long term put, but, um, and then, you know, me and my, my MVIS. So we're, um, just buying <laughs> on the dips and, accu and accumulating and, and whatnot for MVIS, just waiting for our, uh, the big buyout. So nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't have, uh, I don't have much going on. I'm, I'm always trying to stay diversified and, you know, mm. I'm constantly looking at, uh, uh, commodities and currencies to see kind of which ones are uh, leading right now, but uh, nothing really uh, that I've uh, decided to do yet. I'm just kind of cautiously 
watching things. I do have a lot of options positions that I'm busy managing. The pullback this uh, Thursday and Friday kind of helped with a lot of them. So because um, everything went kind of way too up high, way too fast, too far yeah. too fast. So the pullbacks are kind of helping. My concern is probably the opposite of yours, Bob, is just that uh, everything kind of returns back to where it was instantly and keeps yeah. uh, keeps jetting higher and higher um, yeah. you know, before I can actually collect on some of the uh, the positions I've sold. So. Yeah, I mean that—that that is, you're right. I mean, there, that is the other side to it is that we, because we have seen them. You know, we have seen these rebounds, these very quick rebounds, and it's before you can even blink your eyes, like it's already, you know. Um, yeah. In the room, yeah. yeah. I hear you. Well, this is this is what is exciting about it, and creates opportunities, right? Because mm-hmm. the news, you know, the news kind of impacts things and people's uh, moods and behavior. We were talking about today, right? Yeah. People's, massive collective behavior influence the markets and uh warren buffett believes that that's a great opportunity for us as investors so absolutely going into it all right guys well hey have have a great week uh i know we'll be talking a little bit in between and uh thanks everybody for listening thanks guys thank you everyone have a good week All all right bye Welcome, everybody, to the Money Vikings podcast, number nine, believe it or not. We have a great show for you today. We talk about everything investing, personal finance, life skills, etc. Jerry and Bob, how are you guys? Great. I'm doing swell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't complain. Right on. We're making it through pandemic 2020, which is yeah. uh, no easy task. Yeah. Especially with kids, especially with yeah. kids. Especially, <laughs> yes, especially with especially the children. So uh, we're doing it, guys. Um, yeah, I was reading right before we got on, reading about uh, you know Pfizer pushing the envelope there on the vaccine. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that will uh, that will produce uh, some results, and we'll start getting uh, this world back in order. But anyway, the, the show today uh, we got some great topics for you. Um, Jerry is going to walk us through selling puts when you can buy shares of a company at a price you want, and I think collect a premium and he'll go into that. We're going to talk about the rule of 72 and what that's all about and how that can serve you. And we're going to talk about the 4% withdrawal rule and, uh, if that makes any sense. So, uh, Jerry, you want to kick us off with puts? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, in past podcasts, I would try to take a topic like uh, puts and just try and cover everything. What I what I'm going to try and do today is just talk about one trade I did and kind of highlight the fact that it was a put and why I chose a put and kind of how it works for me. So, I mean, you were you were spot on when you just said, you know, I collect a premium for uh, potentially wanting to buy a stock at at a lower price. I did a I did this with Apple and on Thursday this week, I sold one put for Apple at the $100 strike. Oh. Apple's trading right now. When I did it, Apple was about 110, 111. So I was saying I would be happy to buy it at 100 or less, uh, which is about $10 less than where it is now. Uh, and that's a 20 delta. And one of the meanings of that is that there's an 80% probability that I will not have to purchase it. 
if I do, I'm happy with that. If not, that's okay. And for that risk where I'm obligated to purchase if it goes below 100, I am collecting $226.30. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that it is, seems like that is, that is so cool. I mean, it seems it's, like a no brainer, right? Like it's like, like a win, 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 win. What could go wrong, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, ask me next week. I'll tell you what could go wrong. <laughs> right, right. No, but the, yeah. the, the other thing, I mean, basically I'm saying I would like to profit from Apple. I kind of missed my chance to get in when, when it first split and it was around a hundred dollars. You know, as soon as they started talking about splits and everything, it, it, it really went up a lot. And yeah. uh, a lot of people bought it much higher prices. I was thinking a hundred would be fun. Uh, that would have been equivalent to $400 in the old uh, pre split, the last split pre split time mm-hmm. about 400 bucks. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. The other really cool thing about this put is that um, I'm only using about, well, I'm using less than $2,000 of buying power. Uh, it's kind of collateral from my uh, my brokerage, they're they're saying, you know, Jerry, you don't necessarily need to give us uh, the entire amount of the put. These are called cash secured puts uh, in many ways. And if you do these in a IRA or you do them in a Roth, you would have to put up the entire um, ten thousand dollars, basically. Uh, no. And that would be completely cash secured, but this is more of a margin secured put and they only want one fourth or one eighth of the amount uh, down. So, you know, I still have the rest of the money that is in my account that I can do other things with. I can do trades. I can, you know, I could do two, I could sell two puts against Apple if I wanted wow. to. Um, and it would just, it would be a uh, 4,000, uh, which is, kind of amazing i mean they're they're basically giving you a free loan in many ways so, so and, let me uh, play this out jerry <clears throat> so you're you're either at the end of the day from what i can tell from what you just said i mean the worst case scenario is you either the 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 stock of the, the price of apple doesn't go to the 100 dollars, but you get to keep the 226 right correct or it goes to the strike price and you get to buy some apple <clears throat> what we see is kind of a little bit of a discount Exactly. And I get to keep that premium. So instead of, uh, you know, it's a hundred thousand dollars, it's, you know, 9,800 approximately, uh, to purchase that. So I'm buying it at a, at a discount even in the future. So to Jerry, so are you, this isn't a situation where you're buying the put first and then selling it. You're actually just starting off by selling the put. Exactly. I'm selling it right off the bat and I'm wow. collecting um, $226.30 for that premium. Now, I do like to follow the mechanics that Tasty Trade uh, offers and or, or that they recommend. So I probably won't end up collecting the full 226. What I usually do is wait for uh, 21 days till expiration, which is approximately... September 25th, because this expires mid-October. So I have two more weeks to kind of watch it and see what happens. Uh, and then the, or the other thing, if if Apple just skyrockets after their uh, new iPhones come out on Tuesday or Wednesday, mm, they, right. or they announce them and it goes up, mm-hmm. I might hit 50% of that 226, one, what is that, 113? And I would just close the trade right away. 
collect fifty percent and move on. Maybe do it again and sell it out for another month in the future. Okay, but at the end of the day, you made yeah, yeah, you made a yeah, yeah, rinse and repeat. You you made you know one hundred and thirteen dollars, or you made two hundred twenty six dollars, or you bought some Apple. Right, right, Right. exactly. I mean, it's really uh, it's making money work for you. (laughs) Totally, totally. And the other. I'll say one more good thing and then I'll say one bad thing about it uh, or kind of a risk. The the other thing is, I don't know if you're familiar with the strategy called the wheel. I think we may have talked about no. it or about it in the yeah. past, but you, you basically find stocks that you want to, uh, that you might, you might want to own and they're a little bit higher in price than uh, you would like right now. So you do sell puts against them, just like Apple, just like what we were talking about. And then if you do get assigned, which you kind of want to happen, uh, you end up uh, purchasing it at the discount and then you end up selling calls for it, maybe uh, one or two percent above the current price that you just bought it at. And for that, you'll collect a premium. They're, it basically turns it into a covered call. OK, so and you can go back and forth and keep doing this over and over again. So stocks that pay dividends do not only will get the dividends, but you'll get the premium from the wow. wheel strategy. If, if your timing's right, if you end up not owning it during the cash secured put period and the ex-dividend date passes, then you will miss the opportunity to get those dividends. But uh, that's a really cool thing. If you can mat, if you can, if you can do the timing correctly, it's a pretty neat thing to try and do. Um, Jerry, do you, do you get some of these, you know, some of these ideas, I think I've asked you this before, but for the show, um, you're watching the guys on like tasty trade. I mean, you're basically, are they kind of talking about stuff like this too? I mean, they're, you know, is it, is it inspirational? Um, could, could new, could folks new to this stuff basically go in there and, and mimic some of their, their trades? Oh, exactly. Yeah. I, um, you know, I'm always looking for trade ideas and on tasty works, the platform, they have a tab where you can see what other traders that uh, work there are doing. And wow. you can you can find kind of your your favorite personality. My my favorites are uh, I like uh, I like uh, Tony Batista. Uh, I follow a lot of his trades. Um, I also like uh, I, I like the show uh, Small Stakes, where they talk about the small exchange and a lot of the futures there. So there's uh, what's their names? Uh, Pete Molmat is, and uh, I forget the other guy's name right Explain now. Explain what the small exchange is. The small exchange is a new uh, product, futures product, uh, that tries to make it easy for the retail new investor looking to get into futures uh, to start dabbling in that with very little risk. Mm-hmm. Um, every single penny in, a, in their products are exactly one dollar. And the problem that you have with a lot of different futures, if you're looking at corn or you're looking at the NASDAQ or you're looking at uh, gold, they all have different tick sizes. And what the small exchange has done is really cool. They've standardized all of their products. So whether you're trading precious metals or you're trading uh, uh, the, the, the sticks, which is like the small technology index, or you're testing you're trading the the small stock 75 which is kind of highly correlated with spy but more volatile uh they're all one dollar up or down and you don't have to do any sort of mental math well is it a 50 cent per tick or is it a dollar 25 per tick or is it a dollar when did the uh the small exchange become available i think they launched in june it was this year it was recent right 
Oh, very recent. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember still hearing launching. about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're still launching more products. Uh, I think that's and, great. And they did mention they're going to launch Bitcoin soon, too, or some crypto. Oh, wow. Yeah. Rip, Ripple. Ripple and uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. Got wow. a little Ripple. I got a little Ripple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> XRP. Hey, th- that's a, th- thanks, Jerry. That's a great. Um, and thank you. That for is. The, yeah, the outline of, of like doing, explaining it through your trade is really helpful. I always love those examples. Um, so uh, anything else on on um, on cash secured puts before we yeah, go just, on to. Just one final to... thing. I mean, it sounds like a fairy tale here and I, I can. I'm sure people hearing this are getting excited, but I don't know if you remember my uh, horror story with Delta Airlines. I'd been doing the wheel on Delta Airlines for months and months and months. And finally, I got the confidence to go from one contract to two contracts. And as soon as I actually went from and then I went from two to three. And when I went to three, uh, the pandemic hit and the stock market tanked. A lot of things came back, but Delta Airlines did not. So I'm still... um, I was obligated to buy Delta Airlines. My my uh, strike where I sold Delta was like fifty five dollars, and and now Delta is thirty, but it had gotten less than twenty, and so imagine having to buy three hundred shares of Delta at fifty five dollars when it was be- when it was in the market trading for twenty. That wow. sucked. Wow! <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah. And, and it's <laughs> coming. And it's coming back. And I and I mentioned earlier, you know, well, okay, that's great. You can sell covered calls. Well. Delta had gone down so much that there were no calls even being offered anywhere near what it was pre-COVID. Wow. So yeah. I'm just kind of waiting. I, I'm, I'm sure airlines are going to recover. I'm sure we'll be flying around, taking vacations everywhere in the next few years. Uh-huh. But, you, you know, I didn't want to sell it. I hope loss. so. Yeah. And I... so I'm just kind of hanging on. And, and <clears throat> as it creeps up, I check every few months to see if it's uh, the strikes are uh, giving enough uh if the strike is high enough now, so I can start doing uh, covered calls against Delta. Well, let's can, let's just look at it as, as a long-term <laughs> investment now with them. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. We've done you a favor. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I keep thinking about that with the airlines. I'm like, am I going to look back like two or three years from now and be like, oh man, should have loaded up on the airlines? Right. You know? Yeah. Like, like yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those moments where again, I would if I wasn't in this position. Um, I would definitely try to jets jets is a a good ETF that covers all the airlines. So you don't have any exposure Uh, to uh, to just Delta or spirit or Southwest. Um, I'll check that one out. Check it out jets. Uh, But this is not uh, investment advice. This is just, no, 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 we don't do that. (laughs) But actually that's a good, that was a good segue. I think actually into what you just talked about with the market tanking um, into the rule of 72 and I'll explain why. Because most people, again, with most of their money, are basically investing in indexes that probably capture the S&P 500, right? That's what most people, maybe most people don't even realize that. The money they put in their 401k, when they pick a few funds, is probably in something that mimics the S&P 500. And so when they look at their 401k um, statements every, you know, each year, some people do, and they go, oh, wow, you know, I, I made 19% last year. I made, you know, um, I made 5% last year, whatever it might be. I bet a lot of people, for them, it mimics the S&P 500. So a question a person might ask themselves is how long will it take to double my money, to double my net worth, right? And so it's funny, Jerry, because this rule of 72, I don't know if you remember this, but I think your mom gave, gave us this idea. 
Yeah, we were having right? uh, brunch. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I, know. I always thank the moms. It's not Mother's Day, but thanks, mom, every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Jerry's yeah. mom is great. I mean, Jerry's I mom is proud. <laughs> Jerry's mom is great. I really great person. I I love hanging out with her, and we have had brunch a few times. Um, but yeah, she turned to me one time and she's like, "Oh, like you know, we're we're starting the blog," and she's like, "Oh, have you heard of the Rule Seventy Two? And I said, "No, I had not." So anyway, what? So what is it? It's a way to estimate like any rule of thumb when you're going to double your money. So I'll give you an example. So let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars, uh, Bob in your 401k. Mm -hmm. All right. And your 401k is probably invested in some kind of S and P 500 index. Right. So what you do is the rule of 72 says, or some people call it the rule of 70 because it's easier. Let's okay. say you were to make 7% per year on that hundred thousand dollars. Okay. You just take 70 and you divide it by the percentage rate. So what's mm -hmm. that come out to? So 70 divided by seven is 10 years. Yep. And so, and so you can see how you can rackish that up and down. So let's say, let's say on that hundred thousand dollars in your 401k, you expected to make 10% per year. Okay. 70 divided by 10 means that in seven years, you would double your money to $200,000. Like, like. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So the thing, the thing to keep in mind about this is that, so I looked up, I looked up some interesting statistics here today. The S and P 500, for example, here, here's what it was over the last few years. So in 2017, uh, the S and P, so you, I guess we have to remember is no one makes a consistent number every year. You know, nobody makes right. 7% year in year. You have to take averages right over time. So, the S&P 500 um, in 2017 made 19%, you know, so a lot of people with their 401ks probably looked really good that year. The following year in 2018, the S&P 500 was a minus 6%, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. In 2019, the S&P 500 made 28%. So that was like a really good year when probably 401ks thinking awesome. And then in 2020, um, uh, otherwise, uh, otherwise known as the shit storm, um, so 2020, we're, we're, we're sitting around 3.4% for the S&P 500 index. Um, so what I did is I took that. So that's about over those four years, that's about an 11% average annual return. So you can just see how that works out. So again, that, that person, if you, you know, if they continue with that, that kind of 11%, let's say 10% average, then every seven years, you know, they're going to double their money. Um, now that doesn't include um, anything that they add during that time. Like if they keep adding money to it, you know, that, that will obviously help this go faster. But I think the point of the story here, at least for me and you guys, I'll let you guys chime in is that it shows you that, you know, people really can take control and you really can double your money faster than you think. I mean, you know, seven years sounds like a long time, but we know, especially when you become a parent, like seven years goes by in a oh. flash, right? Yeah. Yeah. It goes by mm -hmm. so fast. So why not in seven years have double your money? That's what I say. Right. Thoughts? Right. <laughs> I, I think that's, yeah, no, it's, it's a great back of the envelope uh, way to kind of figure out how long it's going to take to double your money. And it, it's a lot of fun plugging in different numbers. Um, your example about the S&P 500, I, I think, is, is very interesting. About it, it, I keep getting surprised that the... S&P 500 is only up, what would you say, 3% this year? It seems like we've been on this amazing run, but that's only from the the bottom of where we were in March, right, right after the pandemic hit. So it's, we're exactly. Just sort of... I think that's it. The fact that we had such a huge drop. Um, yeah. It's, it's, sort it's, of... remar it's remarkable that we're up, right? But I, but I think the other thing is the news, the kind of the, the news 
doesn't or the the hype around it doesn't really help either because it makes you it makes you think that it's uh it's just astronomical you know it's it, we're up yeah thirty percent this year it's insane but it's the reality yeah. is that there was a there was a massive drop off and we're talking about the recovery from that point yeah yeah I'm I'm I'm, I'm fact checking myself guys and what I'm saying <laughs> is a a year to date 2020 return. The, it's it's interesting. I don't know what this means, but Google is telling me the price return is 3.4 percent, which I said, and the total return is 4.8. I don't know the difference, but let's just say around you know. It sounds 4%. about right. I think the 4.8 is maybe if you include dividends. Mm, got it. Total return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you know, guys. I I think I think what I really like about these types of rules of thumb, and then we'll, we'll get into this more in a minute when we go to the four percent rule. Is that I, I think what it does for people like psychologically is you start to realize that some of your goals are not as out of reach as you might think. I think some people just mm-hmm. sort of sit back and I think a lot of people in this world give up so quickly because they just go, oh, you know, uh, I need half a million dollars to retire. I'll never be able to get there. And it's like, well, hey, is, is saving and investing half a million dollars um, easy to do? No, it's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. But I would also argue, though, that for most people with cons- with like consistent, um, healthy employment that pays reasonably. I mean, I understand there's people that are really on the edge, but for a middle class person with a with somewhat reasonable employment that's somewhat consistent, you know, some of these numbers might not be out of reach. Really, you know, no, right. you might be able to do it, people. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very inspirational. It takes it, it just takes a it it, it takes a, a a few dollars at a time, right? Just start just start tucking away, and that's mm-hmm. yeah incremental. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's a good segue into the four percent rule. Um, and I, Bob, I don't know if you're familiar with this. I'm but, not familiar uh, with four percent. You're not, or you are? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I I know Jerry is, but so we have several. So on our blog, we have several. Actually, I've done some cartoons about it, um, and they're basically financial independence, retire early cartoons. And what they tell people is this, and this is another one where it's. I think you'll find it very inspirational and aspirational because you'll realize again that your dreams and goals of like financial freedom may not be as far out of grasp as it might seem. You know. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy. But at the end of the day, it may also not be impossible. And that's worth something. So the 4% rule is, is this basic concept. It's the amount of money that can be withdrawn from an investment account on an annual basis that keeps the principal basically intact. Mm. Okay. Got it. So let's, let's, say, let's say, Bob, you have a million dollar nest egg. Okay? Yes, please. At the, at, at the time, <laughs> right. At the time of retirement, <laughs> you have a million dollars okay, in your investments. Well, you, I mean, you wake up one day and you're like, okay, I'm going to retire, but then you got to ask yourself, well, how much of that can I really withdraw? Right. Because we all know that money can go fast, right? So again, million dollars sounds like a lot of money and it is, but we have also read all those stories about tons of people that, you know, they may, they get a million dollars and guess what? It's gone in six months, you know, you know? Um, So basically the 4% rule would tell you that from a million dollars, you could withdraw $40,000 a year in income. And basically, the concept is you would never actually reduce that million dollars. You would keep that principle intact. I don't know if it's perpetuity, but I'd say it'd be a long time. Um, you know, And that's if it's reasonably invested um, in kind of a mix of like index funds and bonds. 
Um, but the, the, the reason I think this is important for people is because we all know from our lives that income is key, right? That's the whole point. We've got to figure out ways to generate income. And so if your investments are generating $40,000 of income, that's $40,000 you don't need to replace, you know, with a job or, you know, or, or with some other thing. So right. um, anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. What do, what do you think, Jer? I mean, it's, it's, it's one well, of my like, favorites. Yeah. I mean, like, like everything, these are just guidelines and they're not uh, hard and fast rules, but they're, they're guidelines that sort of help get you thinking about a nest egg, what you might need to retire, what sort of lifestyle you have today what you need to sustain that. And then in the future, you know, in your 50s, 60s, 70s, whenever you plan to retire, uh, you know, what, what are your annual needs? If you can, if you can live off uh, $40,000 a year, then you, then you probably just need, like you said, you know, $1 million and, you know, in a few more decades when it's time to retire. Uh, if you want to retire sooner, you can adjust that too, but you have to, you have to do the math and see um, the, the other thing is just you have to be uh, very careful because that, uh, that nest egg that you have, uh, you could see some huge drops uh, and, and some huge returns on, on different years. So you need to be really careful yep. managing that, manage the risk of that. Uh, you, you definitely, I, I think you need to what? Make sure that you continue making around 10% a year, which is not easy. So. Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, I'd say you probably, I think it would be more like, I mean, don't quote me, but yeah, I think maybe seven to 10%, you know, on average, right? We're talking about on this, average. Yeah, that yeah. Really, you know, the fluctuates. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I, and I, I love it because a lot of the financial folks that I read, they'll, they'll remind people that, you know, you might see drops some years, but remember, you're never cashing out that total million dollars. So you don't, you don't need to stress out, you know, about, a drop one year, it'll probably be made up the net, you know, the following year. Again, you've got to think about the income you can comfortably generate uh, yes. without trying it down, you know, and, you yeah. know, and there, there might be years that are exceptions. I mean, may, maybe there's a year where you want to go above that because you, you know, you, you want to do that once in a lifetime, you know, cruise with your, with your, with your honey to uh, Italy or whatever it is, you know, and you're going to spend an, an, you know, an extra amount, um, and then maybe the next year you ratchet it back down, you know? Um, yeah. Again, these are just guidelines, but they're, they're uh, helpful for, you know, just us today kind of looking forward, trying to figure out what we might need to uh, survive off of in the future. Exactly. Like and it. maybe those dreams aren't as far off as people think, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it all depends on, you know, lifestyle, where you live in the country. I'm really excited about this concept in the future that I keep hearing about that, Maybe post COVID, a lot of people will be able to, um, you know, especially people that have like computer jobs and office type jobs that, that where you're, you know, moving things around in computers and you got a telephone that maybe people can choose to live in lower cost, uh, lower cost of living areas. You don't have to, maybe you work in, you know, you work for a, a tech startup, but you don't have to live in expensive, you know, Bay Area or expensive Silicon Valley, maybe you can live in Idaho. And why maybe, not? Maybe you pick a state where there's no state income tax. Maybe you pick a state with no oh. income tax. You know, I, I actually, think <laughs> that would be so. honestly, guys, I think that'd be so healthy for our country to have more of a, like, bring us back together again and, and have people, you know, people from all different stripes can live in different parts of the country. And you don't have just have these hubs of like, you know, yeah, this is just where the tech people live. And this is just where these people right. live. Well, you know, maybe we can spread out a little bit. We all like different things. I, you know, I'd love to, 
you know, I'd love to live in Montana and look out the window and, and do my office job, you know, or whatever, whatever it might be for that particular person. Well, it's the, it's the, yeah, it's the geoeconomics concept. And I think it, it would definitely, it's going to definitely change that balance. Um, and, and probably even help with, uh, we talk about, you know, property investment with property values in, in certain areas where the property value isn't so great. I think you nailed it, Bob. Absolutely. Yeah. It could revitalize. And I mean, I think, I think some of the hottest, yeah, some of the hottest property markets are in like Idaho, like Boise or something, I think is actually the fastest growing. Can you believe that? It's not, it's That's not crazy. New York or San Francisco. Like the I, fastest, hottest property market, I think is Boise, Idaho. Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I've heard it referred to also as, I can't remember the exact term, but it's like cost of living arbitrage or something like that, where you... Uh -huh you get a job at an expensive Silicon Valley startup that pays you, you know, a really great salary. And then you move somewhere else that the cost of living is uh, way, way lower than what you need. I'm all for it, man. Yeah, <laughs> I think absolutely. it's brilliant. I really do think it's brilliant. I just think it's such a neat idea. And I, I think it, I really do think it would help our country, um, yeah. you know, kind of sp sp spread things out a little bit. So yeah, it's good stuff. 